funny. Some of the players were cracking jokes about him at, in Platteville uh, when they were all together. They would get together for breakfast. He uh, had never had, I think it was Fruity Pebbles. He didn't know what they were and didn't want them. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, you don't think about those things, but there are these just minor adjustments to the culture and life in America and in Wisconsin where just you don't have that in Australia. This is the Larravee and LePay Podcast, a production of iHeartRadio Podcasts, and is presented by UW Credit Union, here for every you. Hi, everybody. I'm Wayne Larravee. And I'm Matt LePay. On this episode of the Larravee LePay Podcast, coming up, the Wisconsin Badgers begin their new era under head coach Luke Fickle this Saturday, Camp Randall Stadium against Buffalo. Jesse Temple, the Badgers beat writer for The Athletic, is our guest. And we'll take a we'll take a look at the Packers, uh, their roster, and who emerged in preseason as they get set for their campaign to begin in two weeks. You are listening to the Laravie LePay podcast. UW Credit Union, another local team that's owned by fans, offering great rates that help Wisconsinites enjoy greater possibilities. Pop in or hop online at uwcu.org. Wayne, I'm looking forward to talking a little Badger football. We'll do that, as you mentioned, with Jesse Temple in a couple of minutes. But uh, your preseason, the Green Bay Packers preseason, wrapped up. And now they they have what amounts to a bye week, uh, staying mm-hmm. away from Labor Day weekend and before things go for real uh, against the Chicago Bears the following Sunday. But let, let's start with what everybody wants to talk about, the quarterback position, Jordan Love. It seems as though he has, he has certainly met, if not, maybe exceeded some expectations what we've seen in the preseason granted teams are not scheming against him but it seems as though he has checked all of the boxes with whatever these games can tell you am i seeing that right yeah i think you're right matt um again we we don't know until you get into the regular season and teams start scheming as you mentioned against uh him in particular and that'll take some weeks because, you know, so much of the early season is about unscouted looks, things that uh, people have not put on tape yet. And, uh, you know, it'll take a while before all that uh, kind of falls out. But to be honest with you, the thing I look at with uh, with Jordan Love isn't so much the stats, which have been fine. They've been good. Three touchdown passes, no interceptions, um, has driven the team to a touchdown drive on each of the three preseason games. Uh, but. Well, what will he do in a real regular season game? We'll find out soon enough. Uh, however, he has checked all the boxes, as you mentioned. Um, what's going to be interesting to see is, um, you know, who emerges as we get into the regular season. Christian Watson had a pretty quiet camp for the most part, um, at least from a game standpoint. Practice, we saw a little bit more of him. But some of the other guys on that offense, I think they've got a good, good offensive line. They've got two very good running backs. Um, it'll be interesting to see, you know, I did my in <laughs> informal cut down waiting for the uh, kickoff on Saturday morning. And, and it's funny. I kept 23 players on offense, 27 on defense and the three specialists, but, um, it, it'll be interesting to see how they break this roster down. Uh, and of course we're taping this uh, podcast on Monday and we'll see the roster cut down as tomorrow by three o'clock in the afternoon central time. Be very interesting to see how it all breaks down. But Matt, I got to tell you the, the one thing Matt LaFleur told us in a production meeting uh, early on, he said, you know, um, it, it's going to come down to defense and how the defense stops the run. Um, that's the major component. What's really interesting about the Packers is they last year uh, gave up over six yards a play on first downs. 
And what did that lead to? Well, they were pretty good on third downs. They were eighth in the league in third down percentage defensively. But they also faced, I believe, the fewest third downs as a defense in the league because, again, people were getting a lot of yardage on first down. That That's where uh, that's what I'm anxious to see, if they can correct that, um, if this defense can be, you know, uh, uh, legitimate, I don't say top 15 defense, uh, I think this offense is going to move the ball. Uh, they did in the preseason. That doesn't mean they're going to move it in the, the regular season, but they have the capability of doing that. Final thought, pre, final preseason thought. The Packers, obviously, the, the storyline is so obvious there with Jordan Love. The young receivers can, how many games can they win? This division is really interesting. Are, are the Vikings, you know, they won one close game after the other and then got bounced quickly in the postseason, but I would imagine they're going to be really good. The Lions seem like a team when they come. The Bears. Could Justin Fields break through? I mean, what do you see in this in this division? Uh, are you buying Detroit because they seem to be kind of a sexy team uh, with with high expectations? And do you anticipate the Bears making a a noticeable jump in the right direction this year? Yeah, man. Um, you start with the Vikings, and they won 11 one-score games last year. I think the Vikings are going to be better this year because I think they're going to be better defensively. They added some personnel, but the big addition was Brian Flores, the defensive coordinator, former head coach uh, down at Miami. Uh, he's very good at what he does, run a lot of New England-type stuff, um, but the Vikings could be better than they were a year ago and yet not have as good a record. Um, I buy Detroit because of the way they're built. They started building that team two, three years ago on the offensive line, and they are as good as it gets at the offensive line, and that's big when you consider their quarterback situation. And uh, by the end of the season, he was the best quarterback by far in the division, Jared Goff, believe it or not. Um, but I, I kind of like the way Detroit is built. They're carrying a lot of confidence and momentum into this season we'll see how it plays out we'll see right away because they play uh, in the opener at kansas city on a thursday night uh, next week as far as the bears lots of new personnel on this team and um i think they're going to be better defensively but it may take some time and as far as the packers are concerned a lot of inexperience not talent but inexperience at the offensive skill position starting with the quarterback and then the receivers and the tight ends a lot of inexperience there but I, I say inexperience, and I say a lot of talent there as well. So it'll be interesting to see where the Packers are. And as I mentioned a moment ago, I, I think defense will have a lot to do with it. Um, got a new kicker in Green Bay, and, and the reason is quite obvious. Uh, Anders Carlson has a big leg. Uh, he's been inconsistent in practices. He was very good in the preseason. Uh, on a swirling, windy day at uh, Lambeau Field, kicked a 57-yard field goal in the final uh, preseason game. The reason he's here and Mason Crosby is not is kickoffs. Um, you know, Mason would get the ball into the end zone on kickoffs, but he had to line drive it to get it there, and teams had no problem with returning kickoffs from six, seven yards even deep in the end zone last year. What they're looking for Carlson to do is hit the high kick deep into the end zone, and um, you know then people are probably not going to return as many kickoffs. So that's the big thing there. Um, you know they had a good punting competition, and we'll see where it all goes. They have a veteran uh, deep snapper Matt Orzik. 
so this will be an interesting campaign. The Packers are a team that I think will be better than people are expecting. Where does that translate in the division? I don't know, but I do think Detroit's the best team at the start of the season uh, in the division, and we'll see where that goes from there. This is, uh, if I'm not mistaken, you're 25 for you calling the Packers, Wayne. Larry and I, 25 years. I've never worked with anyone that long. I can't believe, <laughs> I can't believe he put up with me for that long. To be honest, there we go. <laughs> Milestone years for both of us, so to speak. You're 25 for you. You're 30 for me as uh, the Badger oh, football wow. guy. A few, few years more than that with, with, with basketball. So, and you get a, a new partner this year. I do with Mark Tauscher, which will be, which will be a lot of fun. I mean, you know, Tauscher. He's, a, he's a natural. As a broadcaster, uh, he, he likes to have some fun, and obviously his insights will be uh, – we've been blessed with having his insights on home games going back to 2012, but we'll get him wire to wire now. So uh, we're, we're, looking at, we're looking to have some fun this year. So yeah. it all starts. all starts on Saturday. Well, we need to yeah, talk absolutely. Yep. Uh, we need to talk with uh, us two veteran guys. I want to put it that way. Wayne and I, us two veteran guys covering <laughs> covering football. We'll talk with one of the younger bucks, but he's really good. Jesse Temple of The Athletic. He's coming up. For nearly four decades, JMK Security Solutions has provided protection for homes and businesses. I know firsthand. I'm Jeff Beckman, and with my wife, Kim, we started JMK Security Solutions. Our attention to detail, service after the sale, and product knowledge are the foundation of our success. JMK Security has routinely been recognized as the best of Madison for security companies. We expect that trend to continue as the next generation, our son Jeffrey, takes over as president. Let us protect what is valuable to you. JKSecurity.com. Mad LePay for Middleton Ford. It's March and the madness has arrived. With 1.9% financing for 72 months on the F-150 or 0% for 66 months and a $1,000 rebate with FlexBuy on a 23 Bronco Sport. Middleton Ford has more than 350 new and used vehicles in stock. And if you're not finding the right one, let our guys find it for you. Middleton Ford is your good neighbor dealer where the name and the reputation stands for a great deal. MiddletonFord.com The Laravie and LaPay podcast is presented by UW Credit Union. Here for every you. For more than 90 years, UW Credit Union has helped Wisconsinites achieve their financial goals at every stage of life, offering great rates for greater possibilities. Join today at uwcu.org. And we welcome in Jesse Temple, beat writer for The Athletic, covering the Wisconsin Badgers. Jesse, thanks for taking time out with us. Good to have you with us. Thanks so much for having me, guys. It's obviously a really exciting time. It yeah, it's is. a new era, right? I mean, you know, Jim, when you look at Luke Fickle coming in, winningest coach in Cincinnati history, uh, when it when the move was made last year, Matt and I talked about how they kind of went out of the, outside the box uh, on this hire, and there's a lot of excitement about this. Uh, does it appear to be warranted, Jesse, from what you've seen? Fully warranted. Certainly, you can't deny Luke Fickle's credentials at Cincinnati. I think Badgers fans would say if there was anybody that they were going to hire that wasn't named Jim Leonard that could get you excited about it, Luke Fickle has to be that guy. He obviously turned down overtures the last couple of years when Cincinnati was making that playoff run. So he's got a proven track record of success, but now you've got to do it all over again at a place like Wisconsin in the Big Ten. You mentioned, Jesse, the excitement. I've told people um, that it's the most that I've noticed in quite a while. I, I don't know if I would say the most ever, Maybe I wouldn't deny that, though. But I think of the Russell Wilson year, which I think was your first year 
uh, on the beat. When when Barry arrived in 1990, um, those were a different set of circumstances, but there was there was a lot of buzz here. Um, you also mentioned the, the fickle hiring because in my own mind, I thought if there was someone outside outside the box, he was the first name that came to my mind. But then I thought, nah, they can't get him. Looking at, at some of the programs where he stepped away from, that, that, that the opportunity could have been there at USC or you know, Notre Dame, to name a couple. Uh, it was it was quite a surprise to most of us, and maybe a message that this is as close to all in as we have seen Wisconsin. It's been really good. It's, it hasn't been a mom and pop shop by any stretch, but the fact that they've ramped it up, I think that has caught a lot of people nationally off guard. If your colleagues at the athletic view, do they view it that way? Yeah, absolutely. I was talking to athletic director, Chris McIntosh about this in the spring for a story that I wrote about Luke fickle and the changes that he has made. And one of the things Chris talked about that struck me was he compared it to back when he was a player under Barry at Wisconsin, his first year or two, you maybe have some trepidation about uh, going all out and, and succeeding and having a fear of failure uh, and he compared that situation to this, where it's not about having a fear of failure right now. He says, we're going for it. We're trying to compete for championships. Uh, and that's how he views this experience, because you could look at it like, well, do I make this huge move? You fire Paul Christ, obviously, you clean house, you bring in a staff from outside the state. It has the potential to backfire. But the other side is you could have the opportunity for greatness. And that's how Wisconsin is approaching this. So I think that's noteworthy in terms of the excitement level. I, I don't want to be a prisoner of the moment or speak in hyperbole, which sometimes we can tend to do in the media. But I believe this is the most exciting time for Wisconsin football since I started covering the team in 2011. And I say that because, yes, Russell Wilson was an otherworldly player, but that's one transfer that came in the summer uh, about what? six weeks, eight weeks before the season. And in this situation, we're talking about an entire offseason where the hype has continued to build, where you've got this transfer portal that didn't exist in that way in 2011. So you've added 15 transfers. It's just, it, it is extremely exciting. And absolutely to your other point, Matt, I think Wisconsin is showing that it's stepping up to compete in the changing landscape of college football. Luke Fickle is getting an average annual salary of $7.8 million. That is an awful lot of money. That's $2 plus million more than even Paul Christ made. Um, they're going after people in the portal. They've got the NIL backing. So I think, yes, they are doing everything they can to step things up a notch. Guys, assistant coaches are, are big in this uh, factor as well. Um, it sounds like in, in Phil Longo, who was very successful at North Carolina, um, you've got a top-flight offensive coordinator and an excellent defense coordinator, Mike Tressel, a longtime fickle assistant, certainly um, has shown that he's one of the top type of people. Is this what we're seeing? You know, I mean, they've stepped up not just for the head coach, but for the assistants as well, have they not? Yeah, well, both of those coordinators also, much like fickle, have a proven track record of success. I look at the Mike Tressel situation as uh, I have no, almost no questions about whether this defense is going to be successful. A lot of it has to do with the personnel. There's some very talented players. Two years ago when Mike Tressel was at uh, Cincinnati, the Bearcats had the number two pass defense in the country. And Tressel has talked on numerous occasions about meshing the elite, as he has called it, where they take the best of what Cincinnati did with the best of what Jim Leonard did at Wisconsin. I believe this defense is going to be top 20. My bigger questions, and I think a lot of people's questions are about this offense, but Phil Longo has had success 
everywhere he's been. You can even go back to Sam Houston in the FCS when he had record-setting quarterbacks. And at Ole Miss and, and North Carolina, those offenses put up points and yardage. So I think that is a big reason why we were talking about all this excitement because when they start to bring in an air raid offense, that attracts people that wouldn't have otherwise considered Wisconsin, specifically at quarterback and wide receiver. So th those two guys are absolutely a key part of this, as you mentioned, Wayne. You mentioned the wide receiver position, Jesse. The one thing that, that I've noticed, and I've, I've told people this in different interviews, that for the first time, maybe ever, I mean, at least the first time in the three and a half decades I've been around this program, when you get receivers four, five, and six on the field, that meant 99% run. Um, not anymore. Has there been somebody from from spring ball, and I mean, I'm thinking Bryson Green here who didn't participate in spring ball, but anybody who's really jumped out at you and maybe surprised you a little bit at being better than what you had seen before or what you had heard uh, about a guy. Anybody stand out to you right now? You're right, Matt, and I will see to you when it comes to Badgers history, obviously, but the three and four wide receivers weren't always going to get a whole bunch of targets. That is not going to be the case this year. The caveat, of course, is Wisconsin has never run an air, for, an air raid offense and therefore demanded six wide receivers play, but this is the most talented and deepest wide receiver core I can remember. The guy that stood out to me in terms of coming out of nowhere a bit is Will Pauling. I don't know what your perspective is on this, but this is somebody who had 12 catches for 122 yards at Cincinnati last season, was dealing with an injury, but he steps in immediately and established himself as the number one slot receiver. I go back to the quote that Phil Longo said right before preseason practices began, where he talked about how much he loved slot receivers. He loves them more than everyone outside of his wife and kids. And we all laugh, but look at what, <laughs> look at what he did in North Carolina with Josh Downs. He says, those guys can be difference makers in this offense. They get in the middle of the field. They can create mismatches. And while there is going to be a six-player rotation, presumably, and Skylar Bell will be in the mix in the slot as well, I think Pauling is in position to be this team's leading receiver. The most physically imposing guy, Bryson Green. You throw a 50-50 ball to him, he's probably going to come down with it. And Braden Locke, the backup quarterback, said as much that if he gets man coverage, he's open. And I think we saw that in preseason practice as well. Speaking of quarterbacks, how about the quarterback? Uh, is it Tanner Mordecai, and and how impressive or how has he looked in the uh, drills? Uh, in you know, uh, obviously spring ball and and heading into the summer. This is Tanner Mordecai's show. He's drawn a lot of praise, obviously, and the comparisons are natural to draw to Russell Wilson, where you've got a veteran quarterback who's had success at a previous school coming here for one year to try and lead this program to a championship. I think he's been excellent. Luke Fickle is heaped a tremendous amount of praise on Mordecai and that's not something Luke just does based on the interactions that I've had with him at this point he came in he established himself as a leader right away he's not a big rah-rah guy not a talker kind of a work and lead by example guy but based on what I've seen I think he's really had an excellent camp and I'm eager to see what he can do in this offense because he has played in air raid offenses before at Oklahoma and SMU. He's the perfect guy to come in for this one year. So I, I believe, honestly, I did a prediction story for the athletic. I think he's going to break Russell Wilson's single season passing yards record. Again, a lot of that has to do with how much I anticipate they will pass. I think he's in for an outstanding year. We were about nine minutes into this and I haven't mentioned Braylon Allen yet. And uh, he had a pretty funny line to, to, to all you guys 
uh, in the last week or so. Maybe not funny, really, but it, I'm guessing it, it caught some fans off guard. This is a guy with 21 receptions in his first two years as a Badger, and I guess he he told his coordinator he'd like 50 if he could get this season. But obviously for him, this offense is a tremendous chance for him to showcase. Obviously, he's a, he wants to win games when every game they play, but for someone who has his eyes on the draft uh, next spring, what an opportunity for him to not just run the ball, but to catch the ball. And that seems like something they would like to do a little bit more of this season. right? What's funny is Braylon Allen and Ches Malusi both met with Phil Longo at the same time. And Longo apparently asked each of them how many pass receptions they'd like to have. And they both said 50, which is going to be impossible because I don't know if there'll be enough touches to run the ball and also <laughs> throw to the other six wide receivers. But I, I certainly expect both those guys to be heavily involved in the passing game in a way that we have not generally seen running backs at Wisconsin's uh, be involved in in that way. I go back to the 2020 season when Longo was at North Carolina and Malusi has talked about this as well. When they watch film, it's of those two guys. There were 2000 yard rushers at North Carolina under Longo. And both of those guys caught 25 passes that season. To me, that feels fairly realistic for those guys. When Braylon is talking about the NFL draft, there are two things in particular that he wants to show. Because at this point, I think you know about the physicality, you can see the running ability, but to be an all-around complete running back, it is, can you be a better pass protector and can you be a better pass catcher? And those are two areas that haven't been key focal points for him, frankly, in this offense. They didn't necessarily need to be but those are areas that he and Chez are both stressing. I think we've seen both those guys on the field together at times. And Phil Longo loves to use swing routes with his running backs, which essentially it's like a running play, but it's a pass play into the backfield that can get them into space. And I, I think those guys have an opportunity to thrive in that area, but they're still going to run the ball. I know Badgers fans were wondering when Longo was hired about what this meant. You hear air raid offense and you think, oh, my goodness, what about the identity and the backbone of Badgers football? The first thing he said was, I would be an idiot not to run the football with this backfield and these offensive linemen. So both those guys are going to get pr plenty of rushing opportunities. And it's going to be different because there's going to be lighter boxes, which I think is going to help both those guys. Jesse Temple of The Athletic, the beat writer on uh, the Wisconsin Badgers, our guest on the Laravie and LaPay podcast. Hey, guys, uh, certainly excited about the offense. But what about the defense? Because that's been a backbone of Wisconsin for a number of years now. And a lot of players graduate from Wisconsin, go into the NFL and become extremely effective defense players. Mike Tressel, longtime fickle assistant, inherits it. Uh, from what I understand, Matt is a very talented roster. He does. Defensively, they're, they're going to miss Nick Herbig, who's had, who had a really good preseason with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Keanu Benton, who was an anchor on the defensive line. Uh, Jesse, I, I, I want to throw this out to you, but I want to throw a name here first. I think somebody who could really break out and shine in what Tressel wants to do defensively is Hunter Wohler. Uh, his ability to cover all kinds of space or to play up at linebacker depth. He seems, Wohler seems to be all in to this scheme, but he's someone, if things break right, he could have himself a heck of a year, do you think? I won't be surprised if he ends up being first team all Big Ten this season. He is that good. I think people in Wisconsin have a sense of his talent. When he was coming out of high school, he was a remarkable player. Ohio State wanted him badly, and he ended up picking Wisconsin, which was a huge recruiting win for the Badgers. But in the Big Ten and nationally, 
people haven't really had a chance to see how good Hunter is. He played in a reserve role as a true freshman in 2021. Last year, I thought was going to be his breakout season. He started the first game and then he got hurt and took a while to come back and came back in a reserve role. Yes, he is a phenomenal player. This dollar defense, as it's called, suits him very well because he's such a versatile player. They're going to use him up in the box. He can spill people in the backfield. We know about his coverage skills. And the dollar defense is really a variation of a 3-3-5, but they have six defensive backs on the field. But one of them, generally Hunter Wohler, will be playing at linebacker depth. And they've still got a tremendously talented secondary. So, yes, he's going to have an opportunity to make a ton of plays. I think Wohler and Muma Jong Meta are in for monster seasons for the Badgers. Areas of concern, if they're a, a potential red flag in general, if it's defense, offense, or both, what, what do you see as an area that, that's really going to be worth watching moving forward? My biggest question defensively is the defensive line. Keanu Benton is gone. The stats may not have always indicated how impactful he was. You get a body that big who can move the way he can he can stuff plays and wreck them, and you're seeing what he can do as an NFL player as well. Same with Nick Herbig, obviously. But on the defensive line, Luke Fickle has talked about the fact that he'd like to be able to play eight defensive linemen. I don't know if they're going to get to that in a game. Um, there seemed to be a fairly clear top four, at least in the practices that were open to reporters, with guys who have playing experience, James Thompson Jr., Rodas Johnson, Isaiah Mullins, Gio Paez. But I think they're still looking for more playmakers up front, and you can't underestimate the impact of that front on what it can do for a defense. So I'm intrigued and curious to see how that defensive line will come together and whether there can be somebody who can make an impact like Keanu Benton did. How about special teams, guys? What do you see there? Any changes, any major uh, concerns on special teams for the Badgers going into the season? Here's one thing I'll say about Luke Fickle and his staff. They are not afraid to dole out a scholarship to a specialist if they deem it important enough. You don't always see that, and different staffs have different philosophies, but Wisconsin went to the portal in the offseason and got Nathaniel Vacos, a scholarship transfer from Ohio, to be their starting kicker. He had an outstanding freshman campaign at Ohio. He made 22 of 27 field goals, including a 55-yarder, so certainly expect him to come in and be the number one over Nate Van Zell's to, I think, was very underrated last season. He made 11 of 14 field goals. And then in the punting game, they had what Luke Fickle calls a kick scrimmage to end spring practices in April. And that meant a lot of punting and kicking opportunities. And uh, the staff came away less than thrilled, I think, with how the punting went. And as a result, they went and got Atticus Bertrams. Now, he wasn't officially in the portal, but he was uh, he's an Australian rugby style lefty punter who initially signed with USC in 2022, but he had a back injury, so he never enrolled. And he's going to be their starting punter. So those are two guys to monitor. They obviously weren't a part of the program last season. They're both here on scholarship. And you can't forget about the special teams aspect. I like to say specialists are people too. And sometimes people forget <laughs> about special teams because they just talk about offense and defense. You mentioned Bertram's. I, I think you did a deep dive on him, did you not, when uh, several several weeks ago or a few months ago, We've seen this more and more in college football and even in the Big Ten specifically. Whatever this pipeline is with Australian punters, uh, this will be a little new territory for Wisconsin. But it, you, you go through a lot of things, the adjustment to foot, American football and, and just the recruiting process. He, I know you mentioned to me, and I, I know you and many others, that it was all the bells and whistles that go in the recruiting process kind of caught him off guard a little bit, right? 
Yeah, it, it is a pipeline that Fickle has. Wisconsin hasn't had it before, but he comes from a system that's called Pro Kick Australia, which develops kickers and punters in a way that uh, is pretty unique. Obviously, it's very intense. And Fickle had two such guys at Cincinnati, both of whom were very good and very impactful on Cincinnati's program. And because of that, Atticus Bertram's ended up being the next in line here to come to Wisconsin. But it is certainly an adjustment. It's funny. Some of the players were cracking jokes about him in Platteville. Uh, when they were all together, they would get together for breakfast. He uh, had never had, I think it was fruity pebbles. He didn't know what they were and didn't want them. <laughs> uh, but I mean, you don't think about those things, but there are these just minor adjustments to the culture and life in America and in Wisconsin, where he just, you don't have that in Australia, but on the football field, I think he's made some really sound adjustments. He's talked about the intensity that uh, fickle demands. And that's another aspect that's different this year is in practices. Fickle is, heavily involved in special teams, particularly the punting unit. And I think that helps make these players better as well. Yeah, I, I think somebody should introduce him to Captain Crunch, you know. <laughs> That's one of my all-time favorites. Fruity Pebbles, I don't know. <laughs> That's an interesting story. You know, it's uh, when you we've talked about the Badgers, kind of previewed them a little bit. But guys, where do they fit in in um, the big scheme of things? And... Uh, more importantly, in the uh, Big Ten West, how do they fit in? Uh, Jesse Temple of The Athletic is our guest today on the Laravie and LaPay podcast. Jesse, what do you think? Well, I'm picking Wisconsin to win the West. Obviously, they're the trendy pick, if you want to call it that. In the preseason Big Ten media poll, the Badgers were picked to win the West. But it was a very close vote, one point ahead of Iowa. Those seem to be the two teams at the top. And so I'm certainly looking at that Wisconsin-Iowa game in the middle of October at Kansas. Camp Randall Stadium as a big time indicator of who's going to ultimately win the West. To me, this is this is the last year of the East West divisional split as we currently know it. I don't know what the Big Ten of the future is going to look like when you add those four Pac-12 teams in terms of whether they're going to go to divisions and who's going to be where. But the path is clear to me for Wisconsin. I think they've got the talent to do it. I fully expect Wisconsin to be in the mix down the stretch. Now, we've been saying this for the last three years, and the Badgers obviously haven't been able to do that. And now they've gone three consecutive years without appearing in the Big Ten championship game, which is the longest stretch for the Badgers since that game began to exist in 2011. So I think if they're going to do it, this is certainly a good year to do it. But obviously, I have a lot of questions about how all of this is going to come together and whether it can come together fast enough for the Badgers to be a legitimate championship contender in year one. Yeah, Wayne, to your question, I, best case scenario, it's I mean, for me, the best realistic scenario, I guess, is, is winning the West and then taking a good hard swing in, in the Big Ten championship game. I think there's a difference between hopes and expectations. You ask most people, the top three teams in the Big Ten, again, reside in the East in any order you care to choose, Michigan, Penn State, Ohio State. So that is likely one of those three would be the the prohibitive uh, pick to get out of the East. But I I, I think the, you know, the game two is going to be very tricky. The long trip out to Pullman, Washington. They've got a night game at Purdue. I know Wisconsin has dominated that series over the last now going on two decades. But to me, if they could make, Jesse alluded to the mid-October game against uh, against Iowa, that to me is where the season could be made. You've got Iowa at home. The following week, they go to Champaign to play Illinois, which boat raced Wisconsin last year and really kind of started everything that has led to where where this program is now. And then Ohio State on Halloween weekend, uh, what we believe will be a night game at Camp Randall. So you know that'll be a very calm golf like crowd. 
for, for that game. And it'll be Ohio State's first trip here since 2016. So that could go a long way in defining this team, even though there's a full month of football after that. But that's that stretch where you're going to get yourself in position to make that final run and, for their sake, hopefully win the West. But those three games are going to be very, very huge. Jesse, we've talked about it, Matt and I, on this program about what's going on in college football. I mean, the the Big Ten adding all those Pac-12 schools and everything else. Give us your, you know, overall impression of what you're seeing in college football. Where are we going with this whole thing? Well, I think we're seeing where we're going, which is regional rivalries matter less than making money and being sustainable for the future. I have a little bit of a hard time with this just because I, and obviously I'm from a different generation than you guys, not to out you guys as old. You're just older than me. <laughs> we, uh, we need we need the old head versus young guy perspective here, Jesse. That's why you're on. So go ahead, let it fly. <laughs> but, but even I grew up in an era when I mean I'm I'm I grew up in Kansas, and it, it started as the Big Eight and it expanded to the Big Twelve. So they've been doing conference expansion for a long time. But the Kansas Missouri rivalry was the thing. It was the thing you talked about with all your friends. It was heated with fans, and it's particularly on the basketball side. And then Missouri went to the SEC, and things changed. And obviously, you move on and you adapt and adjust. I think it's a little sad, but they're still trying to maintain some of these close rivalries. You know, with the Wisconsin and Iowa and, and Minnesota, but. It's just a strange new world to think that Oregon, Washington, USC, UCLA are going to be a part of the the Big Ten or Big 18. Maybe they need to rename it. I don't know. It's hard to keep track. And all these other schools are going to other conferences and the Pac-12 won't exist anymore. It's it's hard to keep track of. But ultimately, the end game here, as we all know, it's about dollars and cents. Right, guys? It's it's to be sustainable and build a a super conference in the SEC and Big 12 or Big 10 certainly appear positioned at, to be that in the future. But uh, it's a whole lot different than the way things used to be. It warms my heart to hear you say that, Jesse, because as an old guy, that's where that's where I sit as well. I think I do think we'll get used to it, Wayne and Jesse, in, in you know three or four years. I do think there will be incredible excitement when the time comes where USC visits Madison to, to play the Badgers at Camp Randall which originally we thought would be uh, in two years, right? But now they have to reconfigurate the schedule with Oregon and, and Washington coming in, so they have to spit out a new conference schedule. Uh, but, yeah, when, when these guys played in the Rose Bowl the, for the final time here or the most recent time in 2020, I, I did make a point to just take it in, look around, because I just even then we had a sense that the world was really changing. Gone are the days where – if your team wins a Big Ten, goes to the Rose Bowl, wins the Rose Bowl, great year if that meant national championship or finishing seventh in the final polls. Well, we decided that's not good enough, and it's about the playoff, and, and you're either you're in that last group of four or you're winning it all, or the season is a little bit of a disappointment. My concern, Jesse and Wayne, when you go to 18 teams and assuming that they still eliminate divisions as planned, you can have a heck of a year, and you're fifth in your league. And I just, I wonder how fan bases are going to handle that uh, with, with SC and Ohio state, Michigan, Penn state, UCLA with chip Kelly. Um, a good year could still have you kind of barely in that top third of, of your own conference. And is that good enough to get you into a 12 team playoff? I don't know. Well, it's like the sec West now, or, or what yes. we've come to know <laughs> it in certain years. I have a hard time believing that they won't have divisions with that many teams 
it just makes more sense, even though they had all this talk about going away from it. Even if it's nine teams, that way you can play. I don't know what this looks like. I'm, I'm just kind of talking on the fly here, but I don't know how you can have an 18-team league not have divisions, and then you didn't play half the league, and you're going to decide. It just doesn't feel fair, <laughs> and I don't know the best way to do it, but you're right. Uh, it's, it's absolutely a changing landscape. I do think this 12-team playoff, though, and I know you didn't ask this, but has the potential to really be beneficial for a program like Wisconsin. And the reason that I say that is, as you well know, the Badgers haven't won the Big Ten championship game for a decade plus, but yet had some really, really good teams. 2017, 2019, obviously the 2016 team that led Penn State before the Nittany Lions stormed back to win. You don't have to win the Big Ten in this college football landscape of the future to have a chance to make a college football playoff. Uh, and I think that's... I think that's a good thing for a program like Wisconsin. Now, you could also argue the other side that it means it's devalued a little bit where you don't even have to win your conference championship and you can get into the playoff, but it's more inclusive. And maybe that can be a good thing for a program like Wisconsin. Yeah, it, it certainly might be. And uh, But you're right, Jesse. This is all we're all going to have to get used to this college football the way it is uh, coming up in the future is going to be a lot different than it looked like in the past. Well, Jesse, we we certainly appreciate it. Um, I know you've got a, you got a lot going on. We really didn't get. I, I do want to ask you one quick question before we wrap up about recruiting because that's a specialty for you. You've done a lot of deep dives in into uh, into what Luke Fickle and his staff have brought in, as you did with with Paul Christ and and, and the previous staff. Um, it looks like you know it, they're they're getting hit in some circles for struggling in in the state of Wisconsin, but. I'm guessing that's going to change as they get here and get acclimated and continue to build relationships within the state. But really, the bottom line here seems to be, at least on paper, they're doing really well when you look at what they have put together, at least in terms of verbal commitments for 2024. Um, if stars matter, they're getting a lot of these four-star guys here right now. The, the vibes seem to be pretty good, and, and they're able to expand this radius that Fickle talked about when he first arrived. Um, the, the Wisconsin name, in conjunction with this current staff, they're very aggressive, and it looks pretty promising right now, does it not? It certainly does. There are a lot of tentacles to this discussion. I'll try to keep it relatively brief, um, but... Yes, the the initial outline that Luke Fickle mentioned was this 300 mile radius. We're going to do the, the core and the crux of our recruiting, as he called it, was within the 300 mile radius because that's what they did at Cincinnati. He ended up expanding that to 350 miles. But I had an opportunity to sit down with Luke in his office this summer for a pretty lengthy discussion about recruiting and in particular in-state recruiting. One thing that he said was he didn't necessarily realize and uh, when he first got here how much success they'd be able to have out east. You look at their 2024 recruiting class. There are a lot of guys from the East Coast, the Maryland's, Washington, D.C., New, New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania in particular, four commits from the state of Pennsylvania, which has never happened in the Internet recruiting rankings era for Wisconsin. And I don't think they fully anticipated that, but there are fans who are looking at the in-state recruiting and they're shaking their head and thinking, well, Luke Fickle and his staff are are not attacking it hard enough or they're abandoning the core principles that Barry Alvarez built by establishing a, a fence around the state. They're going to keep doing that. I think this recruiting class uh, was fairly unique, and that was one of the reasons Luke wanted to talk. Nathan Roy, the number one ranked player in the state, 
committed to Minnesota. Rob Booker, an in-state tight end, ended up decommitting and going to UCLA. The Badgers didn't offer a couple of top-rated players in the state that ended up committing to Penn State. And people thought, well, the emphasis just isn't there. That's not true. Every circumstance is a little bit different. Um, they still have some in-state talent. I think that the next recruiting class, 2025, will be a, a bigger indicator because there's a lot of talent and Wisconsin is in on a lot of those guys. In order to build your program, you've got to start with the in-state guys. That's something that Fickle has said consistently. Um, but there are other areas to attack here, and we're seeing it in recruiting. Now, will this translate into wins? That remains to be seen. They had three really good recruiting classes from 2019 to 2021, and we know where the program has been the last couple of years. But I think absolutely this staff is doing everything it can to elevate recruiting and go into some different areas. And right now you're seeing Wisconsin in the 2024 class has a top 25 recruiting class at this stage, which is very good. Jesse Temple of The Athletic, beat writer on the Wisconsin Badgers. Jesse, thank you so much for taking time out. Wonderful preview of the Badgers, and uh, everybody's excited about the season that begins at Camp Randall against Buffalo on sa Saturday. I can't wait. It's always a pleasure to be on with you guys. Thanks so much. All right, Jesse, take care. Matt LaPay for Middleton Ford. It's March and the madness has arrived. With 1.9% financing for 72 months on the F-150 or 0% for 66 months and a $1,000 rebate with FlexBuy on a 23 Bronco Sport. Middleton Ford has more than 350 new and used vehicles in stock. And if you're not finding the right one, let our guys find it for you. Middleton Ford is your good neighbor dealer where the name and the reputation stands for a great deal. MiddletonFord.com since J&K Security Solutions opened in 1987, our attention to detail and customer service have been our strongest assets. I'm President Jeffrey Beckman. We'll always do our best to find the most efficient and cost-effective solution to every job we tackle. Whether it's security for your home or business, installing video surveillance, or being able to control your garage doors from your phone, we can help you feel empowered with simple and user-friendly technology. Let's work together to secure your home or business. JKSecurity.com. The Larravee and LaPay podcast is presented by UW Credit Union, here for every you. We thank Jesse Temple for joining us. By the way, Jesse will be part of our pregame coverage of Badger football. Um, he'll do a segment every week. Uh, could be talking game specific, could be talking recruiting. Uh, he, he is as good as it gets as someone who uh, covers this program. Also, I want to give him a little love, too. He and Zach Heilprin do a podcast multiple times a week called The Camp. Uh, it's a good deep dive for the, the real diehard Badger fan. You can listen to those guys, listen and or watch those guys multiple times a week on their podcast called The Camp. Well, I, I know what I'm doing on my Labor Day weekend, Wayne. Um, you, you, got, you got your bye week, so... Uh, how are you going to play 36 holes? You're going to play, you know, 72. Well, what, what do you got going? Um, I think I'm going to, uh, you know, kind of hunker down either. Uh, <laughs> if I'm going to try to squirrel away an invite, uh, to a tailgate party at uh, the game at Camp Randall, there's nothing better. I think it'd be wonderful to go and tailgate a little bit in the morning, come in, uh, 
probably with the students midway through the first quarter or so, <laughs> though it's a later game. So <laughs> good idea, you know, but uh, that's what I'd like to do. I don't think I'm going to get that invite, but at any rate, I'll be watching. That's for sure. Looking forward to the season and seeing this new team. And, um, you know, I, I'm like any other fan, Matt. I'm really excited to see the Badgers uh, and what they look like, uh, you know, under Luke Fickle. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, I think with both the Badgers and the Packers, it's uh, it's almost like you're starting anew uh, with obviously with the new quarterback uh, up in Green Bay with Jordan Love. We still a lot of young guys, as you have talked about, uh, particularly in the wide receiver room. Uh, but there still is a sense of anticipation for this for the Badgers as well. I, I try to I'm trying to manage expectations a little bit. I think there are some times where this offense could you know maybe look a little bit clunky at times. Hopefully not, but if it does. You know, when you're changing your your philosophy as much as this uh, program is, it may not always be smooth, especially early in the year. But it, it it'll be fun. Yeah, if you need some, if you need a way to get in, by the way, Camp Randall, we we could help you. I've always I like the tailgating idea because when I'm done doing this, whenever that is, I always thought I would go tailgate. I'm not sure I would go into the stadium, but I would just <laughs> somebody with a great camper. You know, you yeah. kick back, you have a few cold ones, put some brats and burgers on the grill. Yeah. I mean, you can't beat that. There's nothing like a cold beer at 1030 in the morning. I'm telling you, it's, <laughs> you know, right. it's the, and a, followed by a brat. And, you know, the, it no, it's it's the best. And Wisconsin's one of the great places to go tailgating. And uh, we're looking forward to the season, Matt. It should be great. That'll do it for us. Special thanks to Jesse Temple of The Athletic. Our uh, producer engineer, Dave McCann. Our executive producer is Jeff Tyler. For Matt, this is Wayne. Thanks for listening to the Laravie LaPay podcast. This has been the Larrabee and LePay podcast presented by UW Credit Union, here for every you. The Larrabee and LePay podcast is a production of iHeartRadio Podcasts and is produced and engineered by Dave McCann with coordinating assistant Asia Mansour. Be sure to listen and to share every episode of the Larrabee and LePay podcast available on iHeartRadio, Apple, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Make it a real Mad March with a playoff payout at Potawatomi. Every week, you could score your share of one hundred grand in cash and free play. Play this March for drawing entries. Win each Thursday. Plus, the prizes refresh every week for even more winners. The playoff payout at Potawatomi, Milwaukee. It's anyone's game. For more details, visit PaysBig.com slash payout. Must be 21 and a club member to play.